Hello, and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Capstan Live. We have one of my favorite guests on today. I love it when Terry Johnson makes the time to come to the pod, and I love it because she brings this energy and this positivity, and Terry always likes to, she's kind of like Oprah. She likes to talk about her favorite things on the podcast, and today Terry is joining us to talk about one of her favorite, favorite tax strategies. Welcome back, Terry. Thanks, Helena. It's great to be here today. You she, always make me smile. She is our Oprah, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know about that. I wish. I wish. <laughs> Um, so Terry, what is your favorite thing that we're going to be discussing today? So Helena, we're going to be talking about the 45L tax credit and our listeners might be thinking, why are we talking about that? Because it expired at the end of 21. Right. But we still have time because we have, you know, we've got folks that are on extension for Mm -hmm. 21. I just thought it would be a good idea to bring this back up again for those folks that might still want to go for the credit or look back a couple years and we'll be talking about how to do that as well. Right. I mean, there's look back possibilities. People are still on extension. People are looking for 915. This is a timely strategy, even though officially. Right. And I think if somebody has an interest in it, probably move faster than. Yes. A timely and time sensitive strategy. Good point. Good point. Okay. Can you start Terry with just like a big picture summary? I know it's a one time credit. Yes, sure. So, Helena, the 45L tax credit, the history of it really goes back to the 2005 Energy Policy Act. Mm -hmm. So when 179D came out for commercial buildings, there was also this provision called 45 capital L, 45L, for residential three stories or less. So then fast forward to 2020, we had the Consolidated Appropriations Act which permanently extended 179D on the commercial side, but only extended the 45L through the end of 2021. Such and a shame. Yeah, and they didn't make it permanent. And you know what? I never give up hope, Helena. That, right. That, that could happen one of these days. But that's kind of where we're at right now. It's so it, it's so interesting because I think a lot of times people focus on 179D and they kind of forget about 45L and 45L is amazing. It's so powerful. Well, it's very different too because whereas 179D is a depreciation deduction similar that you would get with cost segregation, 45L is a tax credit. So what you get is a $2,000 per unit or per home tax credit, but the building has to be no more than three stories high and it's residential type properties so you there's no 3115 change in accounting method to go back but you can amend your returns up to three years Ah, okay so the the tax credit is basically claimed by the entity that owns the home this is interesting when it was built not when it was purchased so whoa whoa say that again that seems like an important distinction terry so the tax credit is claimed by the entity who owns the home when it is built, but you can't take a credit on anything unless it's been sold, for example, or occupied. But the builder itself is the one that gets the credit. Uh-huh. Okay, so the developer or the builder is the person who's claiming this one-time credit. Exactly. Okay, I see. 
I see. And so, okay, so I know it's residential and I know that the properties can't be any more than three stories above grade. Correct. So, okay, so what kind of, of properties are we talking about? We're talking about about apartments. We're talking about condos. Right. We're talking about... Well, it's a little more expensive. More expensive. Than you might think. Okay. So, single family homes and where it works best is where you have a builder that's building track homes. So, maybe they're building, they buy a piece of land and they're building 100 homes over a uh-huh. period of a year or two. Obviously, in the market that we've been in, those homes have been snapped up pretty quickly and occupied pretty quickly. So... You know, you're seeing this is a great strategy for home builders that have single-family homes. Also, multifamily apartments and condominium projects, but keep in mind, they can't be high-rise. So they would be three stories or less. And I just, you know, as a note, if you have more than three stories, let's say it's a five-story building, you you could switch over and do the 179D, but it's based on the square footage and it's the deduction, not Not a a a tax credit. You can also do the additional dwelling units, assisted living facilities, and student housing. Oh, you could use this in dorms. You could use this for, oh. But it's got to be three but, stories or less. Oh, right, right. right. So, and, and what's interesting, too, Helena, is that it's not just new construction. So let's say, we see we have a lot of clients that will buy a project, and then they'll literally gut it. Like, they, they're doing a major rehab mm-hmm. on that and bringing it up to today's, you know, standards. standards right. So the 45L credit if they're if they are doing more than just kind of, you know, kitchens and bathrooms and things like that, if they're actually getting into the systems, it can apply to rehab projects as well. Wow. Yeah, that that can be very beneficial. I see. Okay. So what kind of of drivers would make these projects good candidates like if somebody is doing a major rehab like what kind of things are you would we be looking for that might make a property eligible for this credit well it's a good question because one of the things i do when i'm looking at these is i have a questionnaire you know me how i love my questionnaire oh yeah have the client fill out a questionnaire before we ever get all the drawings and all that because i want to see make sure that they're checking to see if it makes meets these minimum standards right so one of the things we look at for example is on the hvac system the cooling is a sear rating typically a 14 or more will be a good indication that it's been built for energy efficiency Uh so you have to kind of think whoever is the builder has designed these projects with energy efficiency in mind, if they're doing more than minimum, it's probably not going to get the I credit. See, I see. But things like the the R factor of the walls, like we typically see like an R nineteen in the walls, you know, the ceilings. So for sure, HVAC is a major a major yeah, indicator. Yeah. So, but other things like you know the 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 walls the ceilings the windows windows the heating systems all of those that are built even the insulation if it's blown in or you know the thickness of the insulation wow um it can make a huge difference wow okay so what i'm hearing is that there's a number of factors that could really make a good candidate here heating cooling windows insulation and this this sear factor is kind of a good like like um, testing the water factor. If you see a sear factor of 14 or higher, that's probably a good indication that a lot of care has been put into this in terms of energy efficiency. But it's not the only driver. So there are, you know, the the R factor of the walls and the ceilings, um, 
the efficiency of the windows, things like that really do make a huge difference. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. And, and the other thing that you can't minimize is, as opposed to other um, programs, this one isn't all or nothing. So you might have, let's say, a, an apartment complex that has 100 units, and the orientation to the sun, for example, makes a difference. So you might not, you literally model every single unit. So keep in mind that you might have, based on the orientation to the sun and things like that, you will have some units pass and others that don't. And also the geography and the climate and things like that. So where you are down south, you have a lot of air conditioning because it's hot. Right. Having that sear unit at 14 or more, it makes a huge difference uh-huh. than maybe in a climate where it doesn't, isn't so driven on air conditioning. It's not as important. Wow. So we take a look at that as well. And that all factors into the model. And so we will get, when we get the questionnaire back and then other information like the full set of drawings, we're doing, reviewing all of that. And we kind of come up with an estimate of what we think how many units will pass. So it's not always 100%. I am gobsmacked that we have to take into consideration the orientation of the dwelling unit in relation to the sun's rays. Wow. <laughs> that is, that's something. But so, okay, but, but, but the bright side is, though, that even if some units don't make the cut, others can. Like you said, it's not all or nothing. Right. You could have an apartment with 80 units and 40 of them will make it. So then you would get that $80,000 right. Credit, right? Exactly. And you're only paying for the fee for these. You're only paying for the ones that pass. So you're not... You're only paying for the ones that pass? Correct. People, you're only paying for the ones that pass. <laughs> that this, no, this makes it even better than I realized. Right. And we, we're pretty good on our projections. I would say, I don't remember in recent past that we've missed on any of our projections because we do some kind of upfront modeling to make sure that we feel like this is a good candidate. Right. So... You know, what's important about this is that the client is actually going through the questionnaire, looking at the minimum qualifications, and they can kind of predetermine if this is a good candidate before ever sending it to me just by looking at the questionnaire. Uh-huh. And so I don't want to waste people's time because right. it, it is a lot of work for, for both the client and for us to review these projects in detail, to give one of these estimates to say, hey, we think this 100% will pass. But if it... Like say you have a really low SEER rating and it wasn't really built for energy efficiency in mind, you it's very possible, I would say in most cases, that the client's going to not even send that over because they realize it doesn't meet the minimum. It might state. not be so the I best would say use. Our, we have a really good experience as far as the projects that we look at and the amount of units that pass is really high proportionately. But I do believe it's because we spend a lot of time with the client up front making sure they understand what these minimum qualifications are and they're not wasting their time on uh-huh. putting these huge packages together if it's not going to pass. So you do a really thorough pre-check, yeah, I guess, to exactly. kind of make I, sure I mean, that everything, you know, that 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 if it doesn't look like it's going to be good, you'll tell them and they'll realize and nobody will waste their time moving forward. That is such a, that's such a great And there are, service. you know, and there are clients that we do a lot of these projects for so they get used to what's required mm-hmm. and what's going to pass so they kind of know. But I mean, I'm always happy to look at any project, but we can certainly even just by looking at the questionnaire 
quickly determine whether or not we think that this is even an option for them. And listeners, if you'd like to see that questionnaire, just let us know. We'd be happy to send you one and walk you through it so you can get a sense of whether your your property might be a good fit or not such a good fit. Um, and, and Helen, I think on that point, besides the questionnaire, we need a full set of drawings and specs, and we also need the rent roll for that year so we know either how many units were rented and leased uh-huh. by the end of the year or how many units were sold. I see. Okay. Okay, so those are that's that those are the important pieces of info that a taxpayer would need to provide. Got it. Um let's just circle back a little bit exactly to who can claim this. I know we said it's the builder or the developer. Here's like kind of a wacky question. What if we have a nonprofit builder? Right. So obviously if you're a nonprofit, you don't really care about tax credits because you don't pay taxes. Right. But what's interesting behind a lot of those deals where you have a nonprofit client, they're usually have partners that are for profit that are involved in the deal that are helping make that happen. So quite often you'll have you'll be able to have someone in the in the mix in the partnership group be able to take advantage of the oh. credits. Because you'll have for-profit developers, for example. Oh, even if the entity itself is non-profit, there's going to be a for-profit shareholders or whatnot who that the the credit can be claimed by. And we look at and we look at the the building. We're not looking at like, for example, we do a lot of low-income housing tax credit deals. Yes. So in that case, the low-income housing tax credit deals, you're. You know, you've got investors and different people in the food chain, so to speak. They make great projects because usually the states are issuing these credits um. and they're looking for energy efficiency. They want to build solid, good projects. Uh-huh. And I'd say there's a pretty high likelihood if you've got a low-income housing tax credit project that the 45L will work if it works within the structure. Wow. I don't think I realized that those two things could be happening simultaneously. That's amazing. But I do want to just make a point. If it's a low-income housing tax credit deal, you can't sell those tax credits like you can with the with the low-income housing tax credits. Uh-huh. So you just it's a little... that's a good distinction. Yes. Thank you. That's a good distinction. Okay. So, um, like, what are the logistics? So, say I've got a project. I think it meets all the um, you know the minimal um, standards and more. How how do I claim it? Can it? I think you said you cannot use a 3115, if I remember I did. Right. That's okay. what I said in the very beginning. So, um, correct. So, you have you can amend a return up to three years. So, it would either be for the current year, which okay. for right now would be for the 2021 filing. So, if you're on extension, this is still an opportunity. Or you can amend tax returns going back three years. So, this is a, a general business credit. Um, and the builders and developers, they can claim the credit retroactively for up to three years okay. of the tax filing. Um, and then you can also, if, it, if the credits are unused, the 45L tax credit can be carried forward for 20 years. 20 years? Oh, yeah. So it's very similar to how the depreciation deduction where you can carry those forward, that you can do that as well. Wow. I see why you like this guy. That, yeah, wow. We, the more I hear, it's a, it's the more a, impressed. I, I get I get frustrated sometimes, though, because I feel like there are a lot of projects that probably would qualify, but people just aren't aware. Yes. And so think about it. You build a 200-unit apartment building, garden style, 200 times 2 
thousand dollars a unit is four hundred grand in tax, tax, real, tax real tax credit. Yes. Yeah. Well, I well, okay, but the 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 bad news is that as you mentioned, as of the moment, as of right now, the credit has expired, and only properties placed in service before. 2022 are eligible do you anticipate that anything might change like is there any like buzz about well, I mean, this there, there's just so much going on right now in the world right that i think that there's certainly there's a bipartisan which is unusual a bipartisan interest Ooh, everybody wants to see it come back both sides of the aisle yeah Love and it. i think it's just a matter so there's been committee meetings mm-hmm. so it's in committee right now we're hopeful that it could come back in some way by the end of the year. That would be amazing. And what, Helena, what's interesting is typically when it, we see this on a regular basis where it'll come back and then it will be retroactive. Right. So if it, let's say it came back the end of this year or into next year, it would most likely be retroactive through 2022. So that's what we would hope. And, and so there is, yes, there is activity there's interest and it's bipartisan interest. Ooh, so it's promising. Just, yeah, and, and we're keeping in here at Capstan keeping a very close watch on this because you know we have clients that really love this credit and we're trying to stay on it, make sure we understand what's going on, and you know, we don't have our crystal ball. But I would be really surprised within the next year or two if they we didn't see legislation on this to bring it back retroactively. That is so promising. I I love this one now. This might be my new favorite, too. You say that. I say it about all of them, but you you really are persuasive, though. You really have. Um, Okay, so if we have listeners, Terry, who are sitting here thinking, hey, I might have a really good opportunity on my hands, what should be their next step to find out more? Well, I think just send us an email, and we would get the questionnaire over, and then we would send you a link to upload the drawings Mm -hmm. and then the rent roll, and the questionnaire we then it takes us about a week and we review everything we kind of run through some preliminary models we would then get back and say you know we think 100% of the units pass or 80% of the units we're probably going to pass and here's the fee and you know obviously time is of the essence as I mentioned earlier because we are looking at the 2021 filing and we can get things done do I have any new construction or major rehabs that have gone into service in 21 or up to three years? Or up to three years prior. That I would want to have looked at just to see if this makes sense. Um, that really is the question. And then we would run it through the process. Keeping in mind, there's no charge for that. For this pre-check process to see if it would be right. a feasible and it's fairly, you know, it's a, it's a deep dive. I mean, we, we look, look through all the... The information that's sent over, we run through some preliminary models just to make sure, and then we can start immediately. And I would say the turnaround in a market like this, if we have all the information we need, once we get the go, we could probably get the project done in a couple weeks. Wow. Okay. So so there is time. There is time, listeners, but not all that much. So if you're listening and you have something that you think would be a, a viable candidate, don't be shy. Reach on out. Terry is waiting. Your capstan contacts are waiting. Um, and we're here to help, as always. Terry, that was so interesting. 
It's great I, to be here today. It really you, is. I always like it when you talk about something that fascinates you because it's just, it, it's such an, such a pledge. So enjoyable. Thank you, Terry, for coming. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Helena. Um, and listeners, if you enjoyed what you heard, why not subscribe? We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or just check out our website at cabstantax.com slash podcasts. I'm Helena Carmel here with our producer, Aaron Strongen. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.